0: I started off this morning by saying something that that was a little revealing about myself. And it really came in with the understanding that I should say something today in this sermon that should offend you in some way or another. Um, And if if you're not offended, you're probably one of the best persons I've ever met in my life, Uh, or a liar, (laughs) one of those two. Um, or you're at least better than I am. Because there's certain parts of what Jesus said here today that really should stand as a mirror to ourselves. But before getting to that, at least let's try and recap a lot of the readings that we've gone through in Epiphany, where we have seen Jesus actually in a physical presence, coming to people who are physically ill, uh, physically uh, lame, physically unable to hear or to speak in some way, and Jesus reaches out his hand and heals them. And for many of us, this has already presented a challenge because we want to think of Jesus either only coming in his spiritual nature to do things for us spiritually and to kind of stay out of the physical realm. And the reality is, is because if Jesus has something to say about my knee or my back or my body or my illness and my disease, he has a right to say something about the rest of my physical life. And that's hard. It's hard to swallow and hard to deal with in many ways. But we see that Jesus has not only come for the taking away of our sins, but to actually speak into our lives now by his healing, and that we, in this world and in this time in our lives, should feel welcome to bring the problems of our bodies, the problems of our physical lives to him in prayer and in faith. Today, we do not really get a full picture of Jesus placing his hand of healing on people, but instead, what we hear are words of healing. Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who weep. These are actually in complete difference from the way we in the world think. I do not often look at someone who is on the sidewalk because that's their home and think, blessed is that person. Or the person who is hungry uh, out there begging for food or the people who are even gathering downstairs right now for a meal and thinking, blessed are they because they have no food. And rarely when I am doing a funeral or sitting at the deathbed of one of our loved ones, having people mourn and cry, you will not hear a word come from me that says, blessed are you for your crying. But these words actually speak something that the world does not seem to understand because so often we look at those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who are weeping and think, what is it that they have done to cause this in their own life? In what way have they not been able to pick themselves up and get a job? In what way have they not been able to put food on their table? How irresponsible. And the worst what's the matter with them mourning and weeping? Do they have something better to do with their time. But Jesus actually. He goes against that. He takes time in his speech and in his activity to actually not only heal, but to say, blessed are these people. It is not as the world sees them. The world insisting to go on about its business and letting those people be where they are. For who was it that ate with Jesus? But the poor... Who was it that received him into their lives but the ones who were the outcast? Who was it that ate with Jesus but those who no one else would touch? Blessed are the poor and the hungry and the mournful because they they know they can have God. See, you either you either oftentimes fall into two camps with these sayings, insisting that Jesus had not come to talk about the physical poor and the physical hungry, that he only speaks in spiritual ways. Or you either insist that really he kind of has something to say about our sin and our spirituality, but he has only come to raise up the poor and make us all equal in our economic status. But here today I tell you that Jesus had in his heart the poor, the hungry, and the weeping. It is those that made room for him in his life. The only time he dared to eat or to talk with the authorities was when they were convicting him to death. It was the only time they would make time for him. But the poor followed The hungry were fed as they listened to his talking. And the weeping were actually met by their God. And so, if if the poor, the hungry, and the mourning are on the heart of our God, they should be on the heart of us, they should be in our eyesight. They should be in our prayers and our minds. They should be the recipients of our activity. As I've been thinking about generosity over the past several months, realizing that to be truly a follower of Christ and to plan to be generous with those who need to be generous with, it takes actually having a mind for it. And so when we talk of the Spirit of God coming into our lives and bringing his strength and his power into our lives, we should be using that strength and power for our neighbor, for the poor, the hungry, for the mourners. For they were on the mind and the heart of our God. But maybe you are a bit like me. You will do anything to listen to something Or to have to ask any question that would mean I'd have to change something in my life. But to hear that blessed are the poor and the hungry and the mourners calls us to change our lives. Just as much as hearing, Woe are you who have. Woe are you who turn only to laughter or entertainment. Woe to you that live in overabundance and keep it to yourselves. Bread is not the way our God lived. It's not the way he calls to us when he says, I was hungry and you gave me nothing. I needed clothes and you kept me naked. It's not what Paul says when he says that out there there are those of us who may be meeting the needs of the poor and hungry, and all that time we were entertaining angels. So blessed are the poor and the hungry. For they do not deal with the sin that most of us deal with in this congregation and in this city. A sin of having, making us always wanting more. To become our idol, our way of life. Organizing our lives around the very thing of entertainment, so as to never think of the poor and the hungry and the mournful. There are many of our brothers and sisters who would insist that we just stay there with that application of the law. That Christ came to alleviate only the physical things. But Jesus in his statements of blessing and woe has a transition there where where he actually says, blessed are you who are persecuted on my behalf. For you should rejoice in that day. All the other blessings make a statement of an opposing thing. Uh, Blessed are the poor, for they shall have the kingdom of God. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be satisfied. But blessed are also the persecuted in my name, and they should just rejoice in that persecution. For in that place of persecution, we see that all the material and physical things we have can never match up to what it is we truly need in our lives. All of that material and entertainment and turning only to laughter to alleviate whatever suffering may be there in this world will never compare, never ever bring us even close to a feeling of eternity or salvation or even hope. The only thing that could ever do that is coming before our God in poverty in hunger and in tears. Because there's another time and another sermon where Jesus explains this to us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek and needy. Blessed are those who are poor before our God. Maybe you've you've heard this already, the, the statement that Luther had inscribed on a piece of paper next to his deathbed, his final confession before us all. And all it said was one sentence, we are all beggars. How actually very true that before our God, We come to him with empty hands only to receive from him. That we, the poor in spirit, come to him to receive all that he has, all of his kingdom, to be in his kingdom, is to have that poverty. That we come to this place and to this altar not full of everything that we have in this world, but hungry and thirsty for righteousness, for forgiveness, for fulfillment, for actually having hope and love in our lives. Blessed are those who weep, looking upon the things that we do that we do not want to do and the things that we don't do that we need to do and cry at the very thought of it. Blessed are them, who come before this altar to hear these words that I have given my body and blood for the forgiveness of those things. And woe to those who stay, stay in their pride, stay in their entertainment, stay in their closed-up heart to any poverty, any hunger, and any weeping. The Lord has come for all of you. For that heart of hunger and thirst and poverty, but even for the poor in our streets, of our city. There is no suffering that is too small to go unnoticed by our God. He has made plans for such things. He speaks into that suffering, and even in the midst of that terribleness, he calls you blessed. There is no poverty or hunger that goes unnoticed by our God because he has already said for those who experience it, blessed are you, for yours is the kingdom of God. He's not come for just one or the other, but he has come for all of us and all of who we are. And in that poverty, in that weeping, in that hunger, he grants us the one thing that we could never have on our own, life eternal. So we walk away full and satisfied. We walk away inheritors of a kingdom that was never meant to be just ours. We walk away being encouraged, being equipped with his spirit to go and actually care for the poor and the hungry among us. And we never keep those gifts just to ourselves. Amen? Amen.